we're fully authentic with what we want to do and how we want to do it. And uh, just like every other group was. So, yeah, we're open to discussing all kinds of it. So we really appreciate you coming out to ask us about it, too. Oh, no, absolutely. No, I think it's I think it's huge. I think there's a lot of guys that are looking to open up a gym, uh, looking to go and, you know, step out of the, the coaching role and become a, a small business owner. And I think this does. I think this creates an option because, I mean, back in the day when I first got started as a personal trainer, you know, it wasn't really an option to go to Gold's Gym and franchise, right? That really, that wasn't a viable option. Um, so you either had to, you know, personally, you know, start as a personal trainer, acquire a clientele, leave said Globo Gym, drag those clients with you. I mean, you, you, you understand the story, James, you get it. Now I think, you know, a, you know, a, an OPEX facility for someone who's educationally going that route, I, I see it as a great option, a great alternative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you guys, when did, at what point when you were doing this, James, did you like look around and at what point at the, I know you guys were in your newer OPEX location, did you look around and be like, okay, this is completely, uh, you know, we can reproduce this. This is a reproducible model. I know when I met you in Boston and I went up there for my courses, I remember some people asking the question and I don't know whether you were still working on it back then in like 2014, 15. So you weren't talking a lot on it. At what point did you start realizing, you know, this is what I want to reproduce this coast to coast? Uh, I don't know if I had, I don't know if that was the thought process really how it came up, but I think that, um, I just, as I like went from just training people to like co- trying to coach coaches on how to train individuals, I think that you just get into those coaches' lives and you start recognizing the the struggles, the growth, the advancements, and you really get to understand like what they leave my education with. And so whether... Um, so whether it was an aha moment or not, it's just I, I stood still with like what I thought the principles were. But the more people I taught and the more places I went, the more I talked to uh, these these coaches who were interested in the information were being handcuffed back in their back yeah. in their lives. And, and that's that's what I feel. That, yeah, that keeps punching you in the face. That I don't know if it's you know where there was like you know because our our movement remember movement was you know. Uh, I like coaching people. Okay, well, what what did you do to create success in those things? Oh, well, I think there's these five areas that people can be good at. So let me just vomit that out as to be my contribution, right? Without a thought in mind of what it should lead to, because it just felt good to just get that information out, right? So people could look at it and go, oh, yeah, I guess it kind of makes sense. So it always made sense to me. But when when people give it back, it's like, hey, James, this is what's actually going on in fitness today. Um, and they're handcuffed with that. I think it led for, for us having to, how do we create a continuum, right? So that conversation on that, Stuart, was, was talked about for years. Um, where we're like, there's no, what's the end game for this coach, right? Like we, we used to think in decades for coaches, not like what can we teach them about a deadlift on Saturday so they can put inside their classes to offer the class to make money or, you know, that's not how we thought. We were like, how does this rate really create an impact? So when a coach comes in and is unconscious and we teach them, how do they really have fulfillment? And then we define fulfillment and defining fulfillment meant that they had to be able to practice what I believed in, in a certain spot in order to truly make the whole end game work, if that makes sense. 
And no, 100%. And I see that a lot, even, and I'm the gym owner and I would run into that, but I can even experience, I can understand it and empathize with it with the coach. They leave your course and they're like, I've got, I've got this idea. Like I've got this, this notion. And then go back to the gym owner and the gym owner's like, whoa, 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 easy, pump the brakes, brother. You got an hour. Uh, half these motherfuckers aren't showing up consistently. How are you going to create any kind of logical progression? Um, yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, it's all setting good. But then you go to the gym owner who's running their group class model and it, it doesn't, it's a round peg square hole scenario. He's running a model yeah. in which individual design doesn't fit well into as far as that goes. Yeah. I've even got, I've got a coach that just joined me about uh, two, three months ago. He's from Schrader's gym, uh, Nate's gym. He just moved to the Charlotte area. And he's, you know, he's going through OPEX courses and he, you know, loves it. And me and him sat down when we first got hired. And, you know, I told him, I said, listen, I know you got all this education now. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to literally, this is me punching myself in my own dick. I love it. However, in the Group X model, there's certain pieces and parts of this we're going to be able to play with. But unfortunately, man, it, in this model, there's more of a brake pump than a gas push, unfortunately. Yeah. But that's where I, that's yeah. what I love with the, the OPEX, the, the concept of the licensing of the gym. Where do you guys see on a tactical piece of advice when someone leaves the courses these days and they want to know like, okay, I'm either, uh, I'm a solo guy, right? Like I don't have a gym I work at. I'm trying to, I'm training people out of my garage or maybe Globo or whatever, or I'm a coach in a group model or I'm a gym owner in a group model, but the group models pay my bills. What's like the tactical play, you know, what's the, the tactical piece of advice you guys give to start playing with independent, independent program design and start messing around in that space? Well, there's two, there's, yeah. those are two different people. You can hit both of them because they're yeah. both, both tactically worked at different angles. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, to, to start that conversation, I think we have to say that this has been a progression for a couple of years. And so when we first started talking about it, we were trying to recognize, well, how can we impact coaches the most effectively? And so the way that we started this program, I mean, we started the actual content probably about a year and a half before we ever touched anybody into it. But once we started people, we actually started them on phone calls with us every week. And we called that the beta group. And what we were trying to recognize is what did the playbook need to be in order for that person to actually see success? The goal was not to always keep these calls initially. The goal was to write a playbook so that we could help coaches anywhere at any time. And it was so clear to us within a couple of weeks that we were going to support these coaches forever that we didn't ever remove the phone calls. So the reason I say that is because not enough people are actually thinking about the business consequences either way. Yeah. So when they come into it, either, you know, and as James said, there's a couple of different avatars of coach. They're either doing this and thinking it's a business when in reality it's a hobby, or they're coming in and they don't have any understanding on how to grow it or they're actually in spiral mode. You know, so that's where a lot of these coaches are. And I'm, we don't talk to everybody, but we talk to quite a number of coaches and they're generally in one of those buckets. They're trying to figure out what's next. Um, and so the reason I start there is because if we talk about, well, how can they tactically move from group to individual design, they have to first know where they are. Sure. So we have to, we kind of have to help them assess where they really sit because there are some group training facilities they make plenty of revenue their expenses are managed and so they can transition fairly effectively because they have a business that can support it the other group may take three to six months to transition over because they haven't built in good quality business principles so that they can survive a 
20, 30, 40, 50% hit in clients. Yes. You know, and so we're very honest with people prior to them ever stepping foot into our licensing program. If you're a group training facility, you better want to go individual design because you're going to have a challenging, you know, fracturing of that thing right out of the gate. Correct. Yeah. And it's one of the things that either break. Some people, I think, look at it as it's going to break my membership. I think if that's what you're looking to go to, it's a necessary evil to have that break. You know, you can't can't be half pregnant. No, I mean, that's, it makes it a lot better for these folks. And that's just based off of data that we've seen from our gyms who have gone through our program. And the reason that it's making it better is because it's clarifying who they're working with. It's clarifying the service that they're offering. They're no longer offering 15 different things, you know, half-assed wise. Now it's one service that they can really nail down and get consistent in the process and consistent in the creativity of the program. And it allows coaches to be excited about coaching people for a long time. So it's been a really cool process to see that emerge. And tactically, in terms of how we help clients or our clients, but coaches, how we help them move from group to individual design, if that's what they choose, it almost always starts at the individual level. They have to start conversations individually with people to understand what the reaction is very likely going to look like. Or even what the service is, because most individuals in a Group X model are like program design. What the fuck is that? They don't understand. Um, yep. You know, and, you know, most gym owners, you know, it's so funny. And I talked about it on that video, the CrossFit gold rush happened and they went all these level oneers go get their level one and open up a group model. And and I would talk to people like, so how's your personal training? You know, how is that within the house? I go, we don't do any. And that blows my mind that you can call yourself a fitness facility and not have any kind of a one-on-one kind of working. Because back in the day, that's all it was. It was Globo Gym, and that's how I made my money was one-on-one. And then the you know the group back the group model blew up, and everyone ran towards that. And now they're having to take two steps back. Like, wait, I've never even sold one-on-one. I don't know how to sell seventy dollars an hour, ninety dollars an hour, let alone three hundred, three fifty a month. Yeah, the some of the problems you know we see with the to for for an outside picture of that culture in the gym there's something really to be considered about what happens to the culture and the mission of the business the more that the service offerings differ as well so um you you're speaking of it as which makes sense economically but in terms of structure for the business for long-term success the more service offering differences you have the more steam you have to have behind your marketing the more strength of your fulfillment of each of those, the management of both of those are times yeah. two now. You yeah. get where I'm going. So Absolutely. it wasn't. it's not a right or wrong. That's why we are so happy with our product and the people we help and their decisions they want to make. Whether you want to or not, it's like, you know, that's great. Good luck with what you want to do. If you want to do the ID, though, it's one service offering. Yeah. And that should just make us feel better. Not that it's a wrong thing to offer other services, but we can just control and measure what our definition is of success because that one service offering and then like you know you're speaking to an audience that says this is what you can expect inside which is a really key thing in terms of aligning the audience to what you're going to be fulfilling them on which is you know the difference in offering seven different products and being like well you know what do you think you should work with or what do you think you want to do you know yeah and unfortunately there's there's too many coaches out there that haven't figured out the first one yet. 
you know, and, and meaning they either don't know how to grow a group model. And so they offer something that they've never done before. You know, they've never had any training in before, or they actually don't know what they want to do long term. You know, so that's where, you know, when, when our brains, and again, it's just with lots and lots and lots of conversations with people, when we were having this conversation up front, which is, well, do we even touch these other services? It just didn't make any sense because it completely diluted what they were really, really good at. Sure. You know, so the, and, you know, if we look at economics behind it, it's like, are these gyms generally, certainly there are some, but are these gyms generally paying $30 a square foot, you know, for real estate? No. Yeah. So they've got to figure out. And also a lot of these gyms are just way too big just in general, but how are they going to cover the monthly component of that without adding this big infrastructure underneath it? And most of these gym owners have no capital to make that play. Correct. You know, so yeah, so we've got to, we've got to help them figure out how to be a coach to owner. And to do that, if you add complexity to that system, it just blows up. Sure. And my advice to Mason when, you know, me and him were speaking was more along the lines of, you know, he's a coach somewhere else, right? You've got the luxury of not having to pay the bills of not having to, you know, not worrying about it. But if, you know, you're able to work out a deal with a gym owner and you're going to say, let me play in this space and see if I can make independent design, individual design, a thing here. Oh my God, man, you're in the batting cages with unlimited quarters. You know, I mean, like that is an opportunity for you to prove to yourself you know, just like if you're, you know, personal trainers who I could talk with and they want to open up their own gym. I'm like, well, how many clients do you have? And they're like, well, two. I'm like, well, then I don't think we passed the litmus test of can you support a brick and mortar and a rent and things like that. Mm-hmm. What do you guys recommend to, to coaches who are going through your program of the educational portion? You know, they want to dabble in the licensing portion at some point down the road, but they're still not exactly sure can they make ideas can they be known for that right like when you say james fitzgerald you, you think the original documentary you think the games no seven and you think independent code private design like that's what you think of. at least that's what i think i think a lot of other people associate you with that how do you, you know if you're a local guy in that market and you want to be known as the individual who is known for writing phenomenal training programs across all spectrums of fitness how do you start practicing that and getting well known for that yeah, um, I'll, I'll start this. I'm sure James has some, some big thoughts on this as well. Uh, we're big into transparency in terms of what a coach is really doing. And, and the only thing that, that kind of put a red flag up in my mind as you, as you were saying to Mason to just offer individual design is let's say that he starts to get this thing rolling. Well, now it actually becomes a bad thing for the gym owner in the group model because now either Mason's clients are taking space and it's, it's not a bad thing, right? But, what, I, what we would want is if a coach went into that scenario is to have a very clear deal laid out to say at this number of clients, I either go brick and mortar or this is the, you know, the partnership that we create yeah. just so that your incentives are highly aligned right out of the gate. Um, so if, if they can do that, that's a great starting point. In terms of the, the general idea of where they can start, they need to just start coaching clients. Yeah. They need to, you know, they need to have a relationship with a client and recognize where that client is, not only physically, but also where they are in their life so that they can build consultation and assessment. And then the program design allows them to build the relationship in the long run. That doesn't need to be paid. That doesn't need to be anything specific. I think you mentioned that on your your, your talk with Mason, but you just got to go start coaching clients. And sure. if you can't prove to somebody that you're helping them at zero cost, 
you've got some work to do. I want hundred percent, one hundred percent. You know, I think I told you. Know, I mentioned that that tactic of you know, I would pick especially, and again, not to hack a certain emotional period in a CrossFit athletes or desired CrossFit athletes life, but after the open, there's a lot of emotion probably with individuals who are looking to improve, right? And I said that's a perfect time for you to survey your tribe and where you're working and look at Sally who finished blank in the open and you know that the muscle up workout just fucked her. And Sally, it fucked you last year too. And the year before that, when are you going to sit down and actually dial into the things that work for you? Not the six to 20 other people in that classroom. Um, and I told him, you know, I would really hack that. That gets time. hairy though, man. Yeah. It, 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 it gets hairy though, because now you, how do I market myself in that environment? I have to say that what you're doing isn't effective for you. And now that doesn't look great on the other side of the gym. It, 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 again, it's, it's, a, it's a tug of, you know, it, for, the, for the coach, he's now undermining the gym owner and the brand there. And it, it is, it's tough, you know, but for these guys, if they, you know, when they have this very small gray space to play in, they don't have their own brick and mortar. They're having utilized someone else's. Have you guys seen some arrangements and agreements that have worked out successfully yet for a coach who's working underneath someone else's roof, underneath someone else's uh, brand and their company? Uh, short term, sort of, if that, if, if that makes enough sense. Um, longevity. Yeah, it, it just yeah. it really doesn't yeah. because no success means that it's just sort of a dead weight in a gym and that's not a good profit center for that yeah. facility. Um, and lots of success means the group isn't doing as, I shouldn't say it doesn't mean they're doing as well, but very likely it's now creating a bit of a divide in that facility, whether that just be from a, a number of people or a culture or an, or a marketing of either service. Yeah. Because in a group training facility, and just like James said, neither are right or wrong, but in the group facility, you kind of have to say, well, you come in here and you're paying a little bit less and you're still getting the same results. And in the individual design, you're saying you're getting a better result. You're paying a little bit more. And I'm going to speak to you every day and support you every day. So those are certainly at odds. The reason that private training or personal training and group can exist in LA Fitness is because it's 50,000 square feet and sure. they are completely different. You know, it's like nobody knows what anybody's doing in a facility of that size. But yeah. no, in my opinion, no small um, individual design or group training facility wants to go up against LA Fitness. That's that's just, just grounds for disaster because now it's complete commodity. Unless sure. you can win on towel service and amenities, yeah, you lose. No, absolutely. And it, you know, I've told people that's, that's that. Right here. Sorry, that's unfortunately where you know unconscious small micro gym group models are going where they don't have the business set up or the acumen to recognize that, and they're turning into little LA fitnesses where they're thinking that multiple service offerings now are going to lead to that differentiation between the spot that's a mile down the street. Sure. And that's unfortunately a large issue of the global gym, ironically, Stuart, yeah. now being placed in a micro gym model, Correct. which was the disdain of the Correct. initial start point for the micro gym. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I've told guys, I'm like, listen, if you want to go and you're going to play with your uh, independence, individual design in someone else's gym, two things are going to happen. You're going to realize you don't have the skill set for it, the DNA, the ability, you're not able to sell it, or you're going to torpedo his business and you're going to, you're going to do really, really well. 
And there's going to be a tough conversation at some point, but it's, it's going to fall one way or the other. You won't be able to live on the middle for very long, just like you guys were saying. It'll either prove to you like, holy crap, I can do this and go out and take a risk and put your name on a commercial lease and go and do your thing and pursue your own destiny. Um, or you're going to sit back and be like, well, I had a concentrated you know, market here in front of me of X amount of people. and I couldn't get one person to believe in what I was doing. And that's yeah, I want yeah, I want to say something to that to an avatar we missed slightly earlier that Jim answered for the second avatar, but the first one of that guy who's in his garage. Yeah. So I, I just think because I lived that story too, I think there's something deep inside of our biases for our vision of our fitness that says you will have to earn your business, which is a little different, you know, that a lot of people may not be okay with. They think, oh, OPEC's on the door, license, it's all just going to be butterflies and rainbows. If you build it, they it's like, will like, no, come, actually, right? you're going to have to get clients. No one gives a shit about that name, yeah. right? So if that's on the door, they're like, uh, OPEX, what, what, <laughs> is, that, is that an exercise program? Right? So it doesn't matter. So you better deliver results. So back to your guy you talked about, I think you gave him great advice. It's like, dude, you need to sweat this out in order to dictate what true long-term results is. Because if you don't pro bono shit or put time into coaching like you know, it's, it's fucking not that sweet in three years. No, but if you put time in and you enjoy it and you build a business, it's built on a rock solid foundation of sweat, which is what we involve in our program um, that I think has a long lasting repercussions for it. And I, I think with the program design, you can have individuals. And, it, and I had that with the, the gentleman I was speaking with is, you know, he has a nine to five. He has outside of coaching as well. And, you know, when am I going to get this done? I'm like, program design, the great, you can do it at two in the morning, brother. You can be sitting there on FitPod. And I, I had a call with Casey earlier this week. Great dude, by the way. And you yeah. know, we're sitting there. The, the creation of that software is just enabled you to sit there and create your templates on your design, your, your time, hand them off, have real life communication without having to be on site. I mean, like there's no reason. I mean, there's no excuse to not to tell me, hey, oh, I, I can't do it. The gym owner does it. No, dude, there's no, you know, I don't have enough time. There's no excuse now, especially with the yeah, But But let's look at the fitness industry just as a general idea. A lot of people got into it because they wanted the easy life. They wanted to be at the gym all day. Yeah. You know, so one of the things, you know, that we try to just slap out of these gym owners' heads right out of the gates, actually we do it as we recruit them, is we say, are you actually prepared to go to war for this thing? You know, and I don't think enough gym owners are. Yeah. So, you know, and it doesn't mean that they're part of one camp or another camp. It's just an individual, like, are you willing to actually fight and die for this thing? Because that's what it is. And it's not going to get any easier. You know, it's just going to get more challenging. I mean, and that's kind of, I just keep going back to that's why we have weekly calls with our guys, because if we don't, we're going to miss a step. And if they miss a step, they either can't measure what they're doing or they can't refine what they're doing or they just simply aren't aware of it. So I they've got to think about every step every week so that they can be prepared to plan how to be around and thriving in 12, 24, 36 months. I, I agree. And I think I think back to when I first discovered James and you know he can attest to this. How much easier would it be now if you were to rewind, James, and go back to when you were operating, you had your home and then your gym was, you know, really, you know, right next door. If you would have had fucking Instagram and Facebook, if you could have <laughs> shared with the world, right? Like, it's like me now I'm married and now everyone's got Tinder. I'm like, well, where was that shit when I was dating, right? <laughs> 
But, you know, now you can access the world and show people your ability to coach and create, you know, phenomenal programs for individuals without leaving your basement. Yeah. You know what's a great part about that? I never, yeah, I never thought about that. That just blew my mind if that was accessible at the time. Yeah. I was trying to reach out to get as many people as possible of a message, but there was no media. You know, what we found is one of the best marketing mechanisms that we employ with our gyms. In-person networking. Imagine that. Weird. Seriously. Weird. I'm serious. And I don't I don't necessarily mean networking groups, right? But like making relationships with human beings face to face. It's yeah. a magical thing. Yeah. You know, so everybody thinks that they've got to have the best ad set on Facebook. They've got to have the perfect Google Analytics page yeah. so that they can understand all. And believe me, I recognize that. But if you can't build a relationship with somebody, why would they ever step foot in your facility? I, I agree. 100%. You know, James would come on Instagram because he's got a personality. Yeah. That, and that's the thing too, is you, I believe that social media is there. I, I like it to, to try to sell shit, to share people, tell your story of why you're important or why, you know, why should anyone pay attention? But at the end of the day, Someone can kind of tell whether you're a douchebag over the internet and Instagram just like they can in real life, right? If if after watching a couple of videos, I'm like, you know what, I'd like to go get a beer with him or go sit down and get a cup of coffee. If I can, you know, if that person has at least that, I'm somewhat interested. But if you're sitting there looking at it, again, yeah, just like you said, you can't build personal relationships, by, you know, with human beings with a physical and arms, you know, arms length away. I really don't think all the social media net click funnels and all that bullshit is going to help you. No, because you're going to spend all your time behind a computer and you're not going to know how to service your clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where do and you it guys- doesn't group or individual design, by the way. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. You're still competing against other people who have relationships with their clients. Where? How long did it take you guys to really come up with the inner workings of the licensing program? Like, How long did that period take before you were ready to, to show it to the world? Well, yeah. short, <laughs> the short story of it was I'm... We, we sat in our office, we had contemplated different kind of things, but uh, I remember the short, you know, version of it was like, you have to go write the playbook. <laughs> this has to be done. And so until that playbook is written and I can't, I can look at it and sign my, my love, my heart to it basically. So I can really stand up in front of all the coaches in the world and say like, I really feel that I have a place for you to go now to be fulfilled as a coach and we weren't going to do it. So it took months and a lot of time of like of answering, trying to answer Stuart without even having data of like, what would be their issue? What's the current fitness market? What's the future hold for technology? What's going to be our issues in two years on marketing? Who are we going to be up against for capital? What about the transitional person? What about the bro in the gym? What about the guy in his garage? What about we had to answer all those things because we knew, of course, we had the education component there as content, yeah, which was very simple as well. Like, how do I how do I know what to do when I'm in that setting? Well, we kind of have this thing called CCP, so it makes it really easy to get educated in tools. But then, what the fuck do you do with it? Was yeah. something we had to come up with as a thought for that end game. So that took. It took over a year. I mean, we we probably wrote, it was hundreds and hundreds of pages, Stuart. Um, and as we were writing it, we kind of, we sat back down one time and go, well, how are we going to deliver this thing? And as we thought about that, we said, well, we really need a test group. We really need to actually have people learn from this and, and grow with it. And so 
we said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to test the group for six months and we'll just do weekly calls with them and we'll go over the content every week. And then within two weeks, we were building websites and we were, you know, putting all kinds of content in because we knew we had something. And since we've done that, we're now on group five. So we do a group every quarter right now. We're on group five. We've rewritten the content twice already. Yeah. So in my mind, you know, one of the things that we do is, you know, we do kind of agile project management, right? Like we put a product that was done in front of a group of people and we said, what, what do you think about this? And then as they, as they grew, as they learned, as they implemented these things, we worked with them one-to-one to understand how we could benefit them even more to build the program and to help them. And that's how we kind of rewrote it. And so now we won't stop rewriting it, but yeah. we certainly have a, we certainly have something now that is now repeatable. It has a script to it. It has the whole thing. We know exactly what we want to get from them. But the magic part of the program is that we see them just like we're on the phone with you. Every single week, we work with them on what's going on. We ask them what's going on. We ask them what's screwing them up. You know, so there's no way that in a couple of days or a seminar course, you can understand how to run a business. No, not at all. And I think from what it sounds like, you create the infrastructure, allows you guys to pivot. If you were to sit back and take the data and you're like, ooh, shit, I think we might have messed up on this one part. It allows you to steer the ship quickly. You've got a tight enough group that you're meeting with. You're like, hey, guys, remember, go to page seven, part B, cross that shit out. We were wrong. Like, we, you know, we can turn that around. Um, yeah, at this point, it's, at this point, it's weekly content. We don't actually give them a full playbook up front. We don't they are. So now it's. It's basically like a university course at this point where they meet us live and then they do homework and then we check their homework every week um, and they're implementing it every single week. You know, so it is highly hands on. And then once they finish that six months, then we go to, to monthly calls. But James and Henry Toronto are on with these guys every week for coaching calls. So yeah. it's like you constantly have to get better on the fulfillment side. You constantly have to get better on the marketing side. You constantly have to get better on the planning side. Um, and that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to put this thing together where you know, we're going to have, for all intents and purposes, a level two of licensed content. We're going to have a scaling to multiple gyms licensed content. And that will be additional calls. That will be additional PDFs. That will be additional videos. Um, because every group, you know, it's just the mantra of OPEX, right? Everybody's different. So we've got to have, we've got to have paths for these folks to go down. Yeah. So let me ask you this. For the gym owners that are going to, you know, that are going to play with this or be curious about it, and they're thinking about, okay, this program design thing, I, I obviously need the education. And when you guys talked about like, hey, it was like kind of like you were arming a soldier. Here is your rifle, right? But you needed the direction. You didn't t- know which direction to send them off in, right? For those individuals, who is the average client that, in your experience that is going that, you know, if you're talking to a gym owner who does the group model, you say, listen, this is going to be your average client. Is it going to be you know, uh, middle-aged Sally and, and John, is it going to be the aspiring regional competitor? Is it going to be the be- the beginner of a training age of zero? Who do you, or do you just see it across the board? I, I'd say one of the statements that we hear and say a good bit is that, you know, you don't necessarily start at OPEX, but you finish there. Yeah. So we generally, that kind of removes the the person who has never done any training in their entire life, not to say they couldn't be in an OPEX gym, but I wouldn't call them the ideal client. And it also removes the aspiring regional or games athlete because for a business owner, there aren't enough of them to actually help you economically. Correct. 
So, you know, the term is we just say gen pop. We go after gen pop people who have a desire to get more out of themselves. Yeah, I just want everyone, everyone in there just wants to get better. I think, Stuart, too, just to make uh, all of us, you know, and your viewers think about this, I think the context of how people view fitness today is based upon what they're being fed as a version of fitness. So who's the avatar? Um, as you know, you have to have a consultation with that person for an hour and a half to actually get after like their true vision of what fitness is. Correct. Because 60 minutes in, they're telling you all you want to hear, right? From what they saw on Facebook and LeBron James doing and Nike doing. And so everyone's version of fitness maybe is only what we see. So to find an avatar, we got to recognize that a lot of people come in, you know, broken with an idea on what fitness is. 100%. Um, I just wanted to add that to it that maybe we don't even know, like, maybe we don't even know what people want, to be honest, because, you know, we, all we have to offer is what's in our ecosystem. I think the coolest thing too during a consultation is not only finding out what fitness, you know, what do they perceive as fitness, but where they want to take it. For some person, that could be, I want to do 10 go rucks a year. That mm -hmm. could be, I mean, it could be whatever the hell it might be, you know, in a consultation setting, you guys know this time is your biggest, I mean, again, and I truly believe the, the longer you can sit down and talk with somebody, the more you're going to get to know them. And there's no secret, like script of questions that's going to fucking get you there. Right. It's just spending time with that individual and to the point mm -hmm. where, you know, within the first 10 minutes, if you ask Sally, why are you here today? How can I help you? It's going to be very superficial. If you can get to minute 45, it might be, I was on the playground with my son, his friend came up and pointed at me and said, you have a fat mommy. And I went home and cried for three hours. Like, mm -hmm. and if you, you know, again, it, it, to mind that deep, you can, there's no script, A to B flowchart. It's time. The more time you spend with someone, the more trust you build with them. And it's, and again, it's an investment of your time. Um, mm -hmm. You guys do advocate, as I do, that in, in for the licensure that you guys charge for consultations, correct? Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, I, so I, let, I guess let me clarify. You do mean you know a coaching you know, consultation assessment, correct. right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. That's why I want to make sure. Now, let me ask you another question, just on the practicality of this. Do you guys currently have any gyms that are half that that are half pregnant? They are CrossFit ABC, and then we knock down the wall and have a one thousand square foot section for independent design. No, they signed a contract saying that they won't do group training inside of their individual design facility. That's awesome. Phenomenal. The, I mean, and a lot of people pure buy-in, or were there any individuals that didn't buy in enough and you had to hack? Uh, we've had a couple people didn't make it through the six-month program, you know, for specific reasons. But sure. for the most part, when they when people come in, they're all in. I mean, Again, that goes back to transparency. I want them to know that this is a hard program. I want them to know that they're going to have to work for it. And I want them to know that they're going to struggle, especially as, as, as they transition, because no matter how smoothly it goes, and we've had people who have killed the transition, but no matter how smoothly it goes, it's hard because you're changing your entire platform that you're using. So you've got to deal with the change that everybody feels inside of the facility. So it's not an easy thing, but we need to have that conversation up front so that our expectations are clearly defined to them so that they're prepared to go to war. Sure. Have you had anyone open up a separate brick and mortar on the other side of town, maintain one business, and then open up the second one? Yes. 
Very cool. Yep. And, it, it, and I think that that depends on the person, honestly. Sure. Like, you know, we're what what they do outside of the individual design facility, honestly, is of none of our concern. You know, and if they can be successful outside of that, we we're excited about it. But we're not trying to help them in a different model because that's not our expertise. Absolutely. I think one of the things uh, with the OPEX license uh, licensing route that is very attractive to some people are some of the protective elements that maybe you can't get with other, uh, you know, micro gym licensing programs and things like that. So talk to me about like uh, the geographical protection from a density standpoint and how you guys determine, you know, if someone can open up shop in your town or they can't open it up. What, how does that all look? Yeah, it, it is fairly simple, right? It, it's essentially as the crow flies. So how far are you from another facility? We don't want somebody to be two minutes away from you in a drive just because you know what can turn into <laughs> what, what happens in that. And there's also the density piece that you hit. So what is the exact density? That depends on the city. But in general, we're trying to get, you know, let's say around the 50,000 person mark is a pretty good, you know, radius of an area that we want people to be able to control. Some might be a little bit smaller, some might be a little bit bigger, but if you go to New York City, you know, it might take you 15 minutes to go a half a mile, and sure. that might be perfect for a small facility to have that radius. So essentially, we define a radius, and then no facility can be inside of that radius, and they also have their have to have their own radius as well. Um, so we don't want people to be on top of each other. 100%. Where are you guys? on the as far as pricing and things like that is that something you guide them with with models and allow them to set on their own like here are the basic economics of this or do you guys have a standard of where you would like to see the pricing bottom off at uh it's a good point that you said that we actually work with them on economics and willingness to pay that's a big thing that we want them to understand because that helps them create behaviors that actually improve their their clients willingness to pay um we don't have a baseline price but let's just say that we want them to be priced higher, but they have to earn the ability to price higher. So their service has to be better. Their, their systems have to be better. Their coaches have to be better. Education has to be better. So what we tell them, though, is that if you put that price out in the world, one of two things is going to happen. Either people are going to buy it or they're not going to buy it. Well, if they don't buy it, either you're not marketing it effectively or you're overcharging. And in general, nobody that we've seen price yet has overcharged, in our opinion. Awesome. And that's one of the things I, you know, when I see a, a, a gym owner who wants to just have this discussion and possibly go that route, but they have a hard time charging more than $120 a month for their Group X model, I, there's definitely a disconnect there that I, that I witness when I work with gym owners. And, you know, do you really undervalue, really, is that really where you see the value is? Or is it because the gym down the street set their price at 120 you know? And, and if you've ever done the backwards economics, how much do you, I mean, most gym owners do it based on what everybody else is doing, in my opinion, instead of how much money would you want to actually make and then reverse engineer that back into the number. Um, do you guys find that's one of the biggest struggles, having that higher price point with the group X, the, you know, the typical CrossFit gym set up? Um, I don't say, I don't think it's a problem. I think that people need to wrap their head around it in the beginning, just because the marketplace isn't quite sure what we are yet. Sure. You know, so as we brand, I mean, meaning HQ, OPEX HQ, as we brand and get bigger, as all of our gyms get bigger, it's now going to be a very clear game plan as to what a client would get. 
And so, you know, generally all we have to do is kind of say one thing, which is, well, how much would you pay if you had a full person working with you on lifestyle and nutrition, writing your program, doing assessments for you and having consultations with you on a monthly basis? And then when they all cart those things, it's like, what's well, like 450? It's like, yeah, why don't you charge 325? And then it immediately reframes how they view that price point. And so we just need to reframe the way that they're looking at it. If they look at it as a monthly fitness service that is mixed in with 10,000 other fitness services, you can see how they can get their mind wrapped up you know, in a problem. But if they view it as for what the service is, which economically creates uniqueness, right? And if they're unique, they can price it higher because they actually have a unique service that people demand. Then they can succeed and they're excited about it. We need to get them understanding what the value of their service really is so that they have 100% certainty and confidence in their price point because it's that confidence that ultimately sells it or not. I agree. And I, I tr- I'm a big believer that people sell like they buy, correct? So when I, have a, when I have a gym owner I'm working with and he has a hard time selling personal training at $70 an hour, I'll ask him, well, what do you pay your personal trainer? He's like, well, I've never had one. And it, the experience is a bit of a disconnect there. How many of your current OPEX licensing individuals have also been clients of remote coaching with you? So they already understand the value proposition behind it. Maybe they were paying $275, $300 dollars for remote coaching so they can wrap their heads around that better than a gym owner who maybe has never been on the customer end of that. Um, I'm, I'm a bit guessing here. Um, yeah. Not so overwhelming. I can't. Yeah. I, I'm actually having a hard time thinking of all of them being a client first in that area. Okay. I think uh, some they, of them I, have become clients. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think they may. But just to the point, uh, Stuart, on price, they may have been involved on a cost structure for learning CCP, right? So sure. the value of that education could be right, like right, front so uh, top mind, you know. So that may be something that they could think about. But uh, you raise a good point on people's perspective on, you know, what costs should be. Um, if I could, if I could speak to it in my, I think what I offer within the program is to make the whole company to recognize that the whole mission behind this is fulfillment for coaches. Yeah. And so we, we don't, uh, in my mind anyways, reverse engineer to think about, you know, food on the table, economics and things like that. That doesn't mean it's less important, but we structure stuff so that a coach can be really fulfilled in their job. And then when you work backwards on that, then I think there's great conversation on like where you live and the cost, how is the market going to perceive what you're offering? How do you change the value of what you're offering? Do you need to change the value of what you're offering? What are the, you know, those kind of things. Absolutely. Where are you guys currently sitting? How many OPEX licensed gyms are there in the U.S. right now? Um, We should be right around 40 in the U.S. right now. Um, Should be moving upwards to 50 in the next month or two. Do you guys have a is do you have a, a cap in your head? Is there like we'll only onboard X amount of gyms per quarter, per month, or is it yours kind of uh we want to stay around the fifteen to twenty mark right now as we scale up the system because we want to make sure that each of these facilities gets the same service that you know each of the preliminary groups got. Absolutely. And how long, I guess, when did the beta start and how long is your longest standing, you know, testimonial now? Like your longest standing case study? Oh, uh, well, they're they're still there. Yeah. Um, so we started last June. Okay. And, and four of five are still there. 
Um, and the other one's doing great. She just wanted to go a different route, honestly. So, you know, they are doing very well. And everybody in the second group that's finished is still with us. Um, so that was an October group. And, you know, now we're starting to onboard for our June group right now. That's phenomenal. And I, I mentioned this in that video is a good idea is very obvious. Anyone who's ever heard like Uber, like I can press the button and okay, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? We've had that moment. I look at this as the same way. I think this is such a phenomenal idea. Um, I think it takes a certain individual. I really, I think it takes a certain individual who has the experience and the educational portion, um, which is, you know, one reason I love this model because you can't get this education anywhere else. I, it, it, you guys have a very much a one-stop shop. You know, here's the rifle and then go north. Like not only here's the, here's the information and in, in, to improve other people's lives and upgrade your education as a coach, but now here's what the fuck to do with it afterwards. Um, and it's in a marketplace flooded with as much shit as we have in the, in the fitness industry. It's, uh, it's super refreshing. I'm re I was really cool to see it come to my city where I'm at right now and people that I know and I care about and that I, I hold in high regard playing in that space and considering it. And, uh, I'm excited for what's to come. I, I truly, I mean, in the, my market here in Charlotte, I, I absolutely think it would do phenomenal. Um, I, you guys think, I think, you know, we think, you know, we think it's the same thing. Um, as I said, although it, it may sound uh, remedial, it, it just helps me sleep at night. Finally, you know, where we, you know, I'm giving something, we're giving something to fitness that we really feel good about. So it, uh, it just, it just works. We, we keep saying it every couple of weeks is like, this is a good thing. Like we're doing some good thing for people and we really feel like we have the, to really help them fulfill it. So we're not just leading them off to stray and be like, good luck with that. Like it did feel like that before. Um, and I think, yeah, you're right. There is a certain group that, uh, it's going to, it's going to resonate with, but, uh, that, that actually is Stuart, what makes me go to sleep at night because it's an impact on bringing the fitness profession coaching back up a level so people start recognizing the power of a fitness coach again where it's been basically rape and pillage for a while and we've lost that um we've lost that honor yeah i i agree i think you know with the the previous with the micro gym model and the surge that's happened with you know that that we all know of um the biggest thing i saw is not not only fitness for the world but i saw the ability for entrepreneurs small you know small personal trainers i mean for me to be able to go open up my own facility and start it at, you know, out of a pickup truck and then to a facility and then buy a million dollar building and that transition that was forged by that path. However, there was a lot left to be desired. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I like this. I, I like where this kind of cleans up some of those gaps and creates again, an entrepreneurial opportunity for individuals who want to take that knowledge, but it doesn't fit in the hole. You know, they got a square peg and they're looking for the right hole to fit this in. And I, I think it's phenomenal. I'm really excited to see, you know, see it come to this market. Um, you know, you know, who knows after this place and it gets said and done, maybe we'll be sitting down and talking about opening something up here in Charlotte. Um, but for anyone who's watching, they want to get more information, get in contact What's the best way for them to, to access, you know, at least the initial information and start the conversation with you guys. Yeah, the two best places is just our website is just, uh, .com. Um and there's just a big spot for it'll just say I'm a gym owner um, you know so that's what you want to look for and then um, Megan M-E-G-H-A-N at opexfit.com she's the recruiter for licensing so she can handle any conversations that anybody would have about it and she's uh, she's been working with OPEX for a lot of years so she's been working with coaches a long time yeah Megan's great absolutely I know you guys were recently just up here at my buddy Crowder's place 
up at Ken's spot up at 77. Yep. Um, very cool. You hear he's going back to officer school? Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Very cool stuff. Um, yep. Well, awesome, guys. I appreciate you taking the time today to jam on this. Yeah, thanks, thanks sir. This has been great. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely, guys. Have a great day, and I'll talk with you soon. Okay. All right. See you, bye. Thanks. Care.